0: Hi, hey Life Ken, Roger here. I'm one of the directors, and I'm so glad that you're joining us, whether you're a first-time listener or a brand new one. If you are brand new, I just want to remind you that we believe that you belong. You belong to God, so you belong to this community, and because of that, we want to get you plugged in. So be sure to fill out a Connect card so that we can hear your name, answer any questions you may have, or just uh, get you plugged into areas you may be interested in. You can fill one of those out on our Church Center app, or you can head on over to our Life Life.ChurchCan uh, website also if you're a returning listener welcome back so glad that you continue to faithfully support us uh, by listening another way that you can support uh, not just us but the mission of this church and what god is doing at this church is through giving so i would encourage you to take the opportunity to give via our church center app or our website so that you can support what god is up to uh, in this church and in our community Uh, either way this week we are in our second week of our series what now where we talk about what is the next step after easter uh, for the resurrection today you're going to hear a message from pastor john talking about the role of doubt and faith it's a really really interesting um i think powerful and encouraging message so give that a listen and i'll catch up with you in just a moment
1: My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's such an honor to worship with you, to have the energy of the resurrection that cannot just be contained on Easter Sunday. You know, around my family, uh, birthdays are too great to be celebrated in one day. It usually takes about a week to get through a birthday. Any of you with me? Yeah? Come on. Yeah. And in fact, my wife's birthday is in about a week, so I better get ready. I got a pregame, make sure it's good to go. Um, but that's how we feel about Easter too. How could you confine the resurrection of Jesus to one day, especially when it defines our identity as the people of God? We are post-resurrection people, and our lives are filled with the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If our lives are filled with God and we live, God lives in us. How do we live in Him? How do we live our lives in His will? And that's the heart of this series. As we find ourselves in this time after Easter, we ask ourselves, how do we live in the resurrection every day? There's questions that come. There's doubts that can come, that can get in the way of walking with God. In fact, the disciples who experienced and witnessed this resurrection had doubts themselves. People came to them with questions. There were ways that people saw that just didn't make sense about the resurrection kind of hard to explain to someone that you saw someone raised from the dead, isn't it? I mean, when's the last time you saw someone raised from the dead? It's going to be hard to convince someone. In fact, there were many theories that came out at that time where they said These are, there's no way that the resurrection could have happened, so there were theories against the resurrection. And I want to talk to you about three of the main ones that came to be. The, the first one is called the wrong tomb theory, and the, this was kind of the idea that they had the wrong address. Like, they went to go to Jesus' tomb, but they, they got the wrong one. They, they found somebody else's tomb, and the reason Jesus wasn't there was because it wasn't his tomb. The next one was called the swoon theory. This, to swoon means to faint. Like, if you think about, you know, falling in love, you, you swoon for each other. You kind of faint. And for Jesus, they said that he didn't really die on the cross. He just appeared to die. He fainted. From all of the excruciating pain that he went through, the crucifixion, he just fainted. They put him in the grave. When he got in there, he woke up and somehow moved a two-ton stone away from the grave as a man who was alive. And that's why the resurrection didn't happen. The third one is the stolen body theory. They said that the disciples kind of came in at the cover of night, took Jesus' body away and then said he rose from the dead and they just lied about it. Well, the problem was, even in John 20, it says the disciples were surprised and amazed that Jesus had risen from the dead. It said they still didn't understand that he had to resurrect from the grave. So these are interesting theories that people may have about the resurrection of Jesus. And last week, Pastor Jared walked us through John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Here we find the disciples meeting on Easter Sunday evening together. And as they were meeting, they locked the doors because they were afraid that the Jewish leaders would come and kill them like they did to Jesus, so they were afraid for their lives. In fact, I kind of had a nightmare about this last night, that terrorists were coming after my family, so um, pray for me. But uh, I was thinking about this so much that it in- infiltrated my dreams, but I'd kind of felt what they felt like, where they were afraid for their lives. But in the midst of their gathering, Jesus showed up and said, peace be with you. And he showed them his scars on his hands, on his side. And he said, peace be with you. And he breathed the spirit on them. And he gave them the power to forgive each other. This was the act of the new creation. So we're going to pick up where Jared left off in verse 24 of John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one from the worship center. You can, or the welcome center. You can use your phone and the Bible app. Whatever you need to do, we'll also have it on the screen here. So let's pick up where Jared left off. Verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it until I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. I think Thomas was a little bitter. Like, Why did you guys get to see him? Why did you get to see his scars and see him in real life? But I don't get to see him. That's not fair. Thomas struggled to trust that Jesus was really resurrected. I won't believe it unless I have evidence, unless I can put my fingers into his wounds. It's kind of gross, isn't it? It's a a gross request. But Thomas needs the evidence, the hard evidence, before he can believe. Over time, because of his doubt he became known as Doubting Thomas. Where did that name come from? How would that feel to be defined by this one moment of your life to have it be your name that you're remembered for? Now, if you're a disciple like Thomas, doubt would be a huge problem. When I mean, you walked with Jesus, you got to see the miracles that he did with your own eyes and hear him even talk about the resurrection, prepare you for it. How could you doubt? If you witnessed all of that firsthand, yet Thomas did. If Thomas can literally walk with Jesus and still have doubts, what does that mean for us? It means that we are in good company when we have doubts. Just to be clear, what is doubt? Let's let's be clear with what I mean by this so that we can connect this to our own lives. Doubt is a struggle to trust. Trust. See, the disciples struggled to trust Jesus, and so do we at times in our lives, don't we? When things get hard and painful and we don't understand what God is up to or why he doesn't come rescue us or answer our prayers, we have doubts. Our doubts are real, and they should be given space to explore. But how does this struggle to trust impact our faith in God? Faith and doubt don't seem to mix very well, do they? How do they interact and react with each other? For example, if we're struggling to make a decision, students, I think about you and preparing for, for college and college you might go to or life after high school, it's a big decision. Do we trust God to give us wisdom to make the right decision? Whatever that decision is that faces us. Let's see what James has to say about this, this wisdom, this doubt, this trust. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, we need wisdom, we need an answer to our decision, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from God. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Ouch. This is harsh, isn't it? Seems like James is saying, if you doubt, don't expect to receive anything from God. You're double-minded and unstable, it says. This is the effect of doubt on our lives. Like you have to choose between faith and doubt, but you can't have both. It's what it seems like James is saying. How do we make sense of this, though? Because many of us in this room believe. Some of us may not. And that's okay. Your doubt, your skepticism is welcome. We may believe, but we still have doubts. What is James getting at here? How do you wrestle with the fact that you may have faith that you believe but you still have doubt when he's saying that you can have either one or the other well the original word here for doubt means to separate withdraw or drift to drift i think what james is saying to us is doubt shipwrecks our faith when it drifts us from god it shipwrecks our faith when it drifts us from god If you need wisdom, go to God and ask for it. But if you doubt, it separates you from him. It can make you drift away from God like you're lost at sea. Let's think about it this way. Our faith can be like this boat that I have. I know it's a baptismal, but it's a boat for this, okay? Uh, This is our faith. And when we have faith, we get in the boat with Jesus. We believe in him. We anchor our lives in the cross We feel safe, we feel secure, we feel connected with God in this faith. He has rescued us and we are saved. We have hope even when the the waves of doubt crash all around us. But when we doubt, we begin to distance ourselves and drift away from God. We get out of the boat and we see the storms of this doubt around us, these hardships that we go through, these challenging things that we face. All these emotions, we feel like there's this storm of doubt crashing down and the thunder and lightning and heavy rains are pouring down and we feel like we're drowning, we're just struggling to catch our breath and we're treading water, exhausted. This is how doubt can feel when we face it in our lives. Doubt separates us, drifts us away from God. I mean, how can I be close to God if I doubt that He even loves me? If I doubt that I even have what it takes, that he cares about me, how can I be in the boat of faith if I have those kinds of doubts? Or maybe, maybe I have faith, maybe I'm in the boat, but these waves of doubt just keep crashing over the side of the boat, and I'm worried that they're going to capsize my faith. They're going to shipwreck my faith, and I'm worried that I'm going to sink. What does that look like? Or maybe you go through something hard, a loss in your life. Someone dies. You go through a huge tragedy and you think it's just too much work to stay connected with God. I, I, I don't... My, my faith doesn't make sense right now. I'm, I'm actually mad at God for these things that are happening. So I'm just going to distance myself from Him. Drift away from Him. And when this is all over, then, then I'll come back. Then... I'll restore my faith in Him and repair, come close to Him. But I'm just going to tread water on my own because it's too much work to stay connected with Him. But by the time you're done drifting, you're so far away. You don't know if you have enough strength to make it back to the boat. Doubts cause us to drift. What do you do when you want to be anchored in your faith, when you want to live your life in that boat, but you feel lost in the sea of doubt. Well, I asked for people to weigh in on Facebook this week. I just said, how have you experienced doubt in your life? And over 50 comments later, I think we struck a chord. I wanted to share a couple of the themes of what people shared in this so that we can learn because you'll find yourself here in one of these doubts. One of the themes that I saw that's pretty obvious is doubting God. But it is very real. Doubt that God cares about the details of our lives. Doubt that God will provide for our needs, for our income, for bills, for food, to be able to provide for our families. People shared about struggling to discern God's voice, doubting that it is Him speaking to them. I also heard about doubt in relationships. This was the second theme. Scared of going deeper in relationships because trust will be broken. It's a pattern of trying to go deeper but being hurt every time and breaking of trust. And this causes a fear of going deeper so we live at the surface. We feel lonely even in a crowded room. Someone actually said, I don't think anyone in my family knows how much I really love them. Isn't that sad? Do you feel that pain? This, this withholding love, this doubting love, doubting connection. I don't know if they know how much I actually love them. And then people shared that they doubted Christians because of the pain and hurt that they have caused. Even those who follow Jesus can cause pain and hurt, and it's hard to trust. I was actually surprised by the number one answer, the most common theme, and that was doubting self. There's this shame of, of doubting self constantly. Someone said, others see value in me that I often do not see in myself. Heard shame and parenting. I don't have what it takes to be ad- an adequate parent for my children. I'm crumbling under the pressures, expectations, and challenges of life, of parenting, of providing, of transitions in life that are just very, very challenging. Now, on the surface, this last one sounds like doubting God, but there's something deeper. Listen to this. I have not doubted that God exists. I have doubted many times that He would help me, that I would be worthy of His help. I am not worthy of God's love. I'm not worthy of His help. Doubting self. Now, when Liz and I were dating, uh, we met in college at Spring Arbor University, and we were dating for a time, for a couple months, number of months. And we were starting to think about engagement, but we weren't there yet. And I just flippantly said, hey, we should go look at rings. And she and she's got really excited, right? Like, really? Are you serious? And I'm like, oh, crap. What did I just do? You know, I, I, I woke up in that moment. The blinders fell off. The honeymoon was over. And I'm like, this, this is for life. I'm freaked out right now. Like, is this the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with? Can I provide for her? can we make are we are we right for each other is she the one which i have a lot of problems with that myth the one but that's another message you know all of these things that we wrestle with when we make these big decisions and it caused us to get to a point where i doubted so much that we almost broke off the relationship we drove to a nearby park and we sat in the car and we talked for hours and we said if if this isn't right we need to break this off and it was gut wrenching it was difficult It felt like we were an ocean apart. Doubting God, doubting relationships, doubting self. All of these things threaten to shipwreck our faith and drift us away from God, out of the boat of faith and into these stormy seas of doubt where we feel like we're all on our own. We don't know what to do. We're stuck. We're treading water. We can't see Jesus anymore. I think just like us, Thomas felt all of these things as well. Let's continue in our text. John chapter 20, verse 26. Eight days later. So all the disciples had seen Jesus, experienced him. Thomas was not there. But eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. There's a lot of nuance in this verse that I want to unpack with you because oftentimes we read these things and we just keep going. But think about this. What were those eight days like for Thomas? The rest, all the other disciples saw the resurrected Jesus. They were changed forever. They they recounted the story. Can you imagine the stories that they told each other about that moment as they were reliving it? Jesus just showed up out of nowhere, out of thin air through a locked door and says, Peace be with you. And he shows us his resurrected body. And he breathes the Spirit on us. Can you imagine what they felt in that moment? The power of the Spirit, the joy in their hearts because they thought their Savior was dead and here he is alive right in front of them. But guess who wasn't there for all of that? Thomas. Talk about FOMO. I mean, this is like the ultimate FOMO, fear of missing out on the Messiah, the resurrected Messiah. I think there was a lot of tension between him and the other disciples. And Thomas just thinks they're crazy for making up this story about a ghost that looks like Jesus, right? He's like, I'm not going to believe it unless I see him and touch him like you guys got to. I think in these eight days, as Thomas was distanced from the disciples and wrestling with his faith, that he may have had some flashbacks. We can only speculate, but if you were Thomas in that moment, what would you think about? Like you got to walk with Jesus and now Jesus is gone, So you're thinking about all of those moments that you had with him, because this doubt is shaking you to your core. This wasn't the first time that Thomas reacted to a resurrection. In John chapter 11, Jesus shares that his best friend Lazarus has died. And he says, we need to go back to Judea to to wake him up. At first, the disciples think he's just sleeping, they're like, Jesus, let him sleep. He'll get better. And Jesus is like, no, he's dead. Like, let me tell you plainly, he died. And we need to wake him. We need to rise him from the dead. But the rest of the disciples are like, Jesus, we can't go back to Judea. Last time we were there, they tried to kill you. This is too risky. But guess who speaks up? Thomas. And what does he say? Let's go and die with Jesus. I mean, this guy's passionate, he's committed, he's willing to give up his life for Jesus. And he gets to see the resurrection of Lazarus with the rest of the disciples. But what about now? What about during these eight days when he doesn't believe, when he doubts? See, Thomas saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead with his own eyes. But what about now? If he could raise Lazarus from the dead, why couldn't he raise himself? Yeah, yeah, the other disciples got to see him, but I won't believe him Unless I see Jesus with my own eyes rise from the dead like I saw Lazarus. This wasn't the first time that Thomas doubted either. In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, I'm going to prepare a way for you. I'm preparing your place in heaven. And when it's ready, I will come back and get you. But until then, you know the way to the Father. And Doubting Thomas speaks up and says, No, Jesus, we have no idea what the way is. You haven't told us what it is. How do we know the way to the Father? And Jesus answers to him, Thomas, disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you see me, you see the Father. I am the way to heaven. But what about now? What about this moment for Thomas as he's thinking back on that moment? How come I could see you then, Jesus, but I can't see you now? Why did the other disciples get to see you raised from the dead and I didn't? You said you were the way, the truth, and the life, but now you are dead. How can you take us to heaven if you're stuck in the grave? I can imagine Thomas wrestling with all of these doubts. He struggled to trust Jesus, and I think in these moments he would agree with James that doubt feels like a cancer that eats away at our faith. But I think there's something else that Thomas discovered about doubt in those eight days. It can be a cancer that eats away your faith, but it can also be a catalyst of faith as well. Let's look at verse 26 again. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. Did you catch that? The disciples continued meeting for eight days after they encountered the resurrected Jesus. And even though Thomas didn't see Jesus with them, he kept showing up. He kept showing up. He was with them. Friends, Thomas could have peaced out. He could have have said, I'm done with my faith. I didn't see Jesus, so I'm gone. All of this was a sham. It was not worth it. But instead, he stayed in the boat. He kept meeting with the disciples. He kept hoping to see the resurrected Jesus with his own eyes. He didn't drown in his doubt, he kept showing up. I'm sure there were times in those eight days when Thomas felt lost at sea. Here in the storms of doubt, the emotions that come with those stories that we recounted that he may have thought about, and all of this doubt during those eight days of treading water, but he kept showing up. He kept getting back into the boat, and because of that, he had an encounter that he will never forget. Let's continue the story. Verse 26, the doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you," he said. Then he said to Thomas, "Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe." And Thomas exclaimed, "My Lord and my God! My Lord and my God!" Even though Jesus wasn't there to hear Thomas request, wasn't there to hear Thomas' request, he heard him. And his only agenda when he shows up again is to to, to meet his needs, to show him the evidence to bring himself to Thomas. So while Thomas was in the boat meeting with the disciples and occasionally jumping out with his faith, trying to wrestle through all this, Jesus shows up and he says, Thomas, I'm not waiting for you to come to me. I'm not waiting for you to wrestle with all your doubts. I'm coming to you. I'm going to reveal myself to you. and and show you who I am in the midst of your doubt. Show you that I can be depended on, that I have evidence that will calm your heart and your soul, that will calm the seas of doubt within you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because friends, this was the moment when Jesus was coming to get them, to show them what he was doing to prepare the way to the Father. And he shows up, and he meets Thomas in the midst of his doubt. He doesn't rebuke him. He isn't threatened by Thomas's doubt. He invites him to come closer. What can we learn from doubting Thomas? Doubt deepens faith when it drives us to Jesus. Doubt deepens faith when it drives us to Jesus, when Jesus meets us in the middle of it, when we refuse to drift away from God, but we just keep showing up, anyways. Showing up in your family, even when it's hard. Showing up in the lives of your kids and being present and listening to them and paying attention to their identity, to who God is forming them to be. Showing up in your marriage and your friendships for people who are hurting and they need you to show up just like Jesus shows up for us. Author and disability rights advocate Helen Keller says this, "It need not discourage us, if we are full of doubts, healthy questions keep faith dynamic. Unless we start with doubts, we cannot have a deep-rooted faith. Isn't that good? Doubt is a necessary element of faith. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> How can we have a doubting faith? Adjective. A faith that is willing and able to doubt. Because it deepens our faith when it drives us to Jesus. When we say, I need an answer. I need help. I need your presence. I need you to be with me in this struggle, God. I I refuse to tread water by myself. I'm getting in the boat and I'm not getting out. And I'm going to trust you, even in the midst of this doubt. Our leadership team chair, Neil Walker, said this on the Facebook post. He said, I have found that doubts in my faith are helpful And productive because they lead to questions, which leads to pondering and research and digging deeper, which ultimately leads to answers or at least understanding, which actually strengthens my faith. God is big enough to handle my questions and doubts. Now, I love that Neil shared this because he and his wife Beth teach Life Journey Explore which is all about exploring our doubts, our questions, our skepticism. It's a safe place to wrestle with these things because we all have them. Explore, ask questions like, why am I here? Does God exist? Is Christianity flawed? Is Christianity true? And who is Jesus? So even in this space, in church, we want to create a space where you can wrestle with those doubts and allow them to deepen your faith as you explore how Jesus could answer those questions. Jesus ends this moment with his disciples with this. In John 20, 29, he told them, You believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Do you see the faith and doubt here? Believe, faith, without seeing, doubt. Oftentimes when we can't see what God is doing, we can't see how he shows up in our lives. That's where doubt creeps in. But blessed are you who have faith even in your doubts, who have faith and doubt. And do not let your doubt capsize your faith, but you're willing to show up in relationship with Jesus, with faith and doubt, and come to him and let him wrestle through it with you. Your doubt and your faith can coexist. They are not mutually exclusive of each other. It's not all or nothing, black and white, either faith or doubt. It's both and. I think about on Easter when, Jesus, when uh, Jared talked about the complexity of our emotions, how we feel hope, the hope of the resurrection, but we still struggle with pain every day. And this is the kind of complexity that I'm talking about with faith and doubt, that Jesus welcomes both, and he wants to encounter us in the midst of it. This year, Liz and I celebrate our 14th anniversary We made it through that conversation at the park because we decided to keep showing up in the relationship. We decided to move towards each other. We decided to not let our doubts capsize our relationship. And it's hard. We still have doubts. We still have big arguments and fights that we have to work through. But we keep showing up. We will not distance ourselves from each other. In fact, we made a commitment that we will never go to bed with our backs turned towards each other. You know that moment where you're angry at each other and you, you lay in bed back to back because you don't want to face each other? Well, one of us has made a commitment that we will always roll over and say, I'm sorry. Even if we didn't resolve the argument, we made a step towards restoration. Doubts are catalysts for growth in a relationship if they allow you to come closer to each other and work through those doubts together. So how do we live with faith and doubt, with the doubting faith that drives us to Jesus? Have some action steps for you. Number one, keep showing up. Keep showing up even when you have doubts in your marriage, with your kids, in your life, in your walk with God, and the challenges that you face, and the questions that you don't have answers for, refuse to get out of the boat. Refuse to tread water on your own. Keep showing up. And you know what's amazing? Is when Thomas kept showing up with the disciples, was he by himself? Nope. There was a room full of disciples who were in the boat with him. They supported his faith. They strengthened him. They held him up in the midst of his doubts, even though there was tension probably between them. He still kept showing up. And they supported him through that doubt. Encounter Jesus. Jesus is not threatened by your doubt. Just like he came after Thomas in the middle of his doubt and showed himself, revealed himself to Thomas, he wants to do the same thing for you. Even in the midst of your doubt, Jesus wants to encounter you and take you deeper into faith and trust with him. Your struggle is okay. Because he's going to struggle through it with you and carry you every step of the way. When he does he will show you that he is the way to purpose the truth that sets you free and the life that satisfies he is the source of all of those things and even as you hear me you may doubt that. Really? Is that true? Yes it is. Yes it is friends let him show you Test him in this. Let him show you who he is, and you will encounter Jesus, and he will take you deeper into your faith. I've thought a lot about doubting Thomas this week, and I think he gets a bad rap. I mean, it's kind of lame that he's known and named for this one moment of doubt in his life, isn't it, doubting Thomas? But I think we should call him truthful Thomas because Thomas was willing to wrestle with his doubts And let it take him to the truth found in Jesus. And he was set free. And he was allowed to doubt and wrestle with it and come to Jesus and discover the truth that sets him free. Maybe you feel like doubting Thomas in the room today. Maybe you've struggled with faith. You've been skeptical. You've had questions and doubts. I want to invite you to take a step towards Jesus. He's not threatened by those doubts. So if that's you, would you pray with me? Jesus, we come to you in the midst of our doubts, whether that is doubting that you are the Messiah, whether that is doubting that we can trust you, or that you will show up in the details of our lives. But we, like Doubting Thomas, choose to show up. We showed up here today. And so Jesus even in this worship that we're about to go back into through singing, would you encounter me? Jesus, I give you my doubt. Would you show up so that I can encounter you? I want to walk with you. I want to learn what it's like to live in the boat of faith. Help me in my unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome
0: back. I hope you felt encouraged by that message uh, this week as you have questions or maybe even wrestle with doubt. I hope that it draws you closer to God as you step close to him in your doubt uh, to grow your faith. Also, I just want to remind you that if there's anything you need via support, prayer, or whatever, just feel free to reach out. We want to support you in this time, in this season. You can do that on, again, on our connect card. But either way, I hope you have a super blessed week. I hope that uh, as you again wrestle with your questions this week, they are opportunities for you to go closer to God and your faith and that your doubt draws you closer to Him. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again real soon.